Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. Um, we're doing a little, uh, we've done a lot of content this week, Curtis. We've had Dagan from the USA um, and something very special is happening at Dogma. Well, it's already happened, actually. They've already ruined the wall with ugly footballers faces i'm joking it's not ugly it's beautiful we love it um we're here with james from dogma he's going to talk us, us through how something like that comes about so yeah james how are you mate thanks for joining us today no my pleasure my pleasure really good thanks for having me yeah good stuff and the furniture's back again there's curtis how are you mate all right uh, yeah i'm good mate yeah yeah happy to do uh, another one of these um yeah, we've been putting out some really, really good content recently. If you don't follow, make sure you do. Tell your friends, share it and all that good malarkey. Um, but again, uh, I want to say thank you to you guys for watching because we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for you. So all that soppy stuff. But yeah, I'm good, ultimately. Yeah. Stop being so soppy. It's not the end of the video yet. You do that at the end. No, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, I'm sure all you Brighton fans have seen something amazing happening in Brighton City Centre. Uh, there's a lovely new mural, um, and James is going to talk to us all about that. Um, so first of all, uh, James, I want to ask you about something that happened previously, the gallery. We spoke to you about that on the last episode you were on. Um, how did that go, mate? Was that all nice and successful for you? It was great, yeah, yeah. I mean, we always sort of envisaged Dogma as a kind of multimedia project, like rather than just the, you know, the printed zine that um that we do three times a year we always wanted to have that like tangible element as well and and like i said like multimedia and that's not exclusive to anything um i think because we was kind of set, set up in a pandemic context like our first little while was very much about you know getting the copies of the magazine posted and miss that kind of um like familiar thing where you get to meet people and kind of share the ideas and what you're working on um, face-to-face and with with all the great people that are kind of, you know, gravitating around this project as well as people that are just interested in what we're doing. So um, the gallery, as you said, Joe, was the kind of first pass at that and it was so much fun. Um, it was really, really exhausting but really, really great to, yeah, like I said, to meet people that we haven't met, to have a kind of Brighton and Albion presence in the city centre um, as yeah. well. It was in the World Cup, so it was a, the reason we kind of called it communion was about you know getting people together when there's no when there's no Albion on, and having a chance to kind of um, yeah just hang out with all the people that we hang out with on a match day and and other stuff. And um, it was it was really fun. Like the artwork we displayed was really cool and. Um, yeah, we. It was just, uh, yeah, a really good laugh. Amazing. But that stuff. actually Did you sort have... of feeds sorry, in. Oh, sorry, 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 Jack. Okay. That actually yeah. does feed into sort of another question that we had was, why do you think there isn't more of a sort of Brighton and Albion presence in the city? Because we noticed that there is a distinct lack. You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily know there was a Premier League side in Brighton. So that's like, exactly, what, that's, like, that's it's exactly strange, it. isn't it? That's exactly it. You've hit the nail on the head. Like we. We published an article in our last issue called um, called Not Enough Chimneys, which is basically about, you know, um, I think it was Brian Clough or someone said that Brighton will never be a football town because there's not enough chimneys, kind of assuming that because we haven't got that kind of industrial or that kind of traditional industrial underpinning to our, our city or our area like you would have in like 
Stoke on on Manchester or something like that, that football will never really take root. And that's just, an, in my opinion, that's an absolute nonsense. I mean, like, look at us all sat here and, you know, the 33,000 of us that, that go um, to home games every week. Um, but there's an assumption that that's, that's the case. And I feel like um, the city itself, and this is just speaking for myself, I feel like the, the city and the council doesn't really encourage football um, or at least support it. It doesn't really see it as a like a necessity for um, for for the city or the area because there's so much to do in Brighton and it has so much going for it. So it's kind of underplayed. Um, but like I said, we have 120 years of culture and heritage and everything underpinning this club and our relationship with it. And the fact that we don't really feel like, speaking for Dogma and myself, that, that we don't really feel like that's represented um, enough or arguably at all at some stage um, uh, in the city is something that is that we're really, really trying to address. Yeah, so talking about the, the, the council and the city aren't sort of forthcoming with um, sort of making it known that there is a Premier League club uh, in, in said city. It, does that throw up any problems when you're applying for permission to get something like this done or, or is that something you sort of bypass? I don't know what the process is. Well, I, yeah, I mean, maybe it would be, yeah, I, I think maybe it'd be more illuminating if I kind of talked about the process of getting this wall, like as an example. So yeah. we, we we struggled, well, it's been about a year in the making, um, really. We had We had an attempt at doing it last year, which kind of didn't really work out. And we've had um, lots of attempts to secure some space. Property in Brighton and in the southeast of England is at an absolute premium. There's not an abundance of end of terrace walls that, you know, um, that need something adding there to in kind of enrich the area, encourage people to go like our city particularly. And it's, it's just chock-a-block full of, full, of, full of stuff like that. So I feel like it probably is, and obviously I don't have a direct comparison because I've never tried to engineer a, a mural project in Stoke, but um, I, I feel like it, it would be a lot harder to get, to get it done in, in Brighton than it would be in in somewhere else. Um, yeah. Was that the, the first location? that you, Was that your ideal location um, or was there multiple? Yeah, so we, had, we basically had a kind of call to... Um, to, to the tourism alliance which is basically a, a sort of like council division to say you know we want to do something we we've we can fund it we can you know the artwork and the artist isn't an issue like give us a site and they were really proactive and really great and they they worked with us on that criteria our criteria wasn't really set in terms of like like location and then this wall came up and we were like that's perfect like we know that the business that, that it's associated with, um, which is a barber's formerly called Mo, uh, Mo's and now called Number Eleven uh, Barbers, which is fitting, um, is a big Albion place. They have players come in all the time and get sort of the haircut. There's shirts on the wall and that kind of stuff. Um, the location itself, it's you know, it's right on Western Road in Hove. It's got lots of footfall, and it was just like the stars aligned, and it was the perfect, perfect perfect opportunity but when it came to the artist and the art itself what um what was a deciding factor for you especially with the artist 
Yeah, so Cine One is like a kind of Brighton legend in terms of like the graph scene and, and like mural work. He's done some really big and important stuff um, uh, in the city. Like he was involved in the mural um, on the side of the Prince Albert pub, which has all the deceased uh, and, and musicians. So he's like, he's like the man in, in Brighton, really. And, you know, we spoke to a few different artists and what, what he was proposing and kind of he, he really got what we were trying to do and who we were. And it was just like the most obvious decision and that working with him, yeah, was 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 a delight. Um, I think he really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's five players on the mural, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, obviously, uh, I, I read the Argus article um, and you mentioned the obvious choices would have been Matoma, McAllister, uh, given their global outreach. Mm. But you've chosen, of course the captain um, and a couple of others. What was the deciding factor bet- uh, between what players you were going to include on there? Yeah. So from our perspective, it was about um, kind of appreciating the underappreciated in a way. And like Lewis Dunk is, you know, a, a chronically underappreciated in the wider footballing world. And we did not that, we did not want that to be the case in his home town um and anything that we're involved in so he was the kind of the figurehead behind that really um similarly with like uh with solly and with pascal gross it was like a similar thing you know they're i mean at the moment they're probably first two names on the team sheet but i don't think they get the recognition even in internally even within like brighton fans that, that they deserve just for what they've contributed um and then uh, we wanted balance in terms of kind of the what you think about when you think about that player, um, or those players. And Lamptey and like Sanchez certainly fit that in in terms of like them being younger um, and them being kind of perhaps the kind of face of the future. Um, so that was really our kind of perspective on 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 that. But then we had consultation with the designer, uh, with Ian Budgeon, who designed it. And then with Cinema One, the artist, to basically say like what works as a as a piece of art, like what what has a nice balance, what's interesting to render, what will look good on a wall, and yeah, those five kind of through that process of you know our input from the footballing perspective and their input from the kind of visual and art perspective, kind of yeah, yeah. landed on that composition. So I love that Solly's in there because um, I've been Solly's biggest supporter for, for as long as I can remember, probably since he came through. Um, and obviously, we we all know um, the the start of the season he had. He, he couldn't score, um, but he was having a really impressive season. Um, and now, under Roberto De Zerbi, he seems to have just been unlocked. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's a good time to maybe ask you what has been your perception on on Solly March before Roberto De Zerbi. And and now, like, how much of a difference? It's just crazy. Yeah, for sure. I feel like going right back to the start of his career, like when he broke through, I think we were in the championship, like he had this real kind of like aura and that kind of energy that comes with like one of those young players where you feel like they're capable, a bit like, I don't know, like Caicedo or someone at the moment, like you feel, or like Ferguson is probably a better example. Uh, like you feel like the world's at their feet and they can go on to achieve like anything. Um Particularly, you know, it, um, that was kind of compounded by the fact that he was he was local as well. So, this kid playing this well, and he's from Hailsham. Like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, and 
Yes, and then I feel like with young players, and it happens so often, you see it all, all the way through, they don't quite meet that potential. And 99% of them, or not 99%, but the, the majority of them just fall away and you never hear of them again. But testament to Solly, he hasn't, and he's having his best period in, the, you know, at this age, you know, whatever he is, sort of, sort of late 20s. Um, he, he, you know, he could have been one of those young players that, that that fell away, and he hasn't. And you know, as you said, Joe, like he, him and Deserby seem to have this kind of simpatico. I remember Deserby's first press conference; he mentioned him specifically, and there was some like reference. It was like, oh, he's he's calling out Solly March. You know, you'd expect him to focus on McAllister or, or yeah, uh, whoever. Yeah. But no, no, he identified something there from day one, and as you said, he's unlocked that and unleash that and we're seeing just the yeah the maximum out of him and I think that's directly related to the manager um yeah definitely I, I think as well a lot of credit has to go to Solly for um playing in multiple positions when needed um keep him plugging away as you say a lot of players fall away possibly in, in Solly's case he, he could have fallen down the leagues he could have gone to the championship and tried to re-establish himself but he, he kept plugging away um, and played left wing back uh, a couple of seasons ago. Um, and then suddenly he's playing right wing back and then suddenly yeah. he's playing um, across the front three. And um, it's just amazing to see. Uh, so I'm really glad <laughs> Solly March uh, has been included on that. Um, so what does what does this mural then mean, mean for the club in the city? Like the fan, what, what has been your like overall feedback from the fans as to what, what it means for them to see that on the side of a wall? Yeah, it's been amazing. Like uh, we were down there for for the majority of the time when um, uh, when the artist was painting, and there was just a, because it's such a busy part of town. There's just a constant stream of people coming past and like, like kind of engaging with it, making comments, saying what a brilliant thing it was, how much they loved it. Um, one of the best parts was that at three o'clock every day, a stream of school kids would come past. Um, you know, coming out of school and they were all like naming all the players and getting all involved and uh, uh, one was so great. Like he let them, so there's there's like a kind of abstract background to it and he let the kids like paint certain bits of it. So, so there's this like real community involvement um, in it going up. And uh, I mean, you know, the majority of the comments were from Albion connected people that were like, this is brilliant. Like, you know, so um, such great, you know, it's, it's so good for the area and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But then also, and this is kind of related to our earlier point about the lack of awareness of the football team, you know, in the city, people coming up and going, oh, is that, is that like the Albion? Is that Brighton, the football team? Yeah, I've, I've heard they're doing quite well. Like, so it, for me, who is, you know, every waking moment sort of like is related to the football club in some capacity to realise that there's people that live presumably around that part of Hove that are like, oh, the football team, like, oh, the Albion, like that, it just blew my mind. And I, I feel like that um, in a way is enough of a reason to do it in the first place because we're letting people know that there's a team and they're very, very, very good. And this is what they mean. And we're, we're letting people that didn't know that already realise that to some extent. And that sounds grandiose, but that was just a, that was a, that was a thing that happened. Um, you know, that's yeah. just an example. 
I mean, it's interesting. I mean, for myself, I, I don't live in, in Brighton. I'm not too far away, but I don't. But it fills me with a lot of pride to know that things like that are in such an amazing city and we and like to get the community involved to things like that and to, to have those things around, I think, is incredibly important. Mm. And I think it, it it's it's only a good thing for Brighton and for the club. Um, so more of that, please, I, I, I think. I think it's just wonderful what you guys have done. So. Oh great, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, that's what we're doing it for, really. Um, just to kind of extend that olive branch and say, like, this is what we, this is this is who we are, this is what we've done, and there's there's a permanent reminder of that now. Yeah, as Curtis says, um, he's not too far away, so I think we're all Sussex based. Um, so Curtis is in Crowbury, Sussex. I'm in Littlehampton. Well, there's uh, Tom, Sussex. who's like quite, a and of, yeah, but... Tom's in wherever he lives um i know where he lives i'm joking um, <laughs> somewhere above london um are we gonna see i'm hoping this is gonna be a nice response james are we gonna see more of these pop up all over sussex or is it like, what, yeah i really hope, i really hope so but as i've kind of mentioned it's, it's a lengthy and kind of arduous process to, to get this done but you know we've called it mural number one for a reason um this is something that that we'd really like to continue and you know of varying degrees it might be something large like this it might be something small scale but like this is the kind of stuff that we like to do and we are gonna yeah continue to do it financing is maybe an issue we need to sell a few more Matoma t-shirts and we can do another one um but also like we really want other like we really want this idea that like we need to bring the club into the into a physical space like non area bound like you said it could be Sussex or, or Brighton or like wherever where, where there's an Albion community could be seagulls down under or whatever um, but like we really hope that other people like pick up this mantle and and realize that this is something that that we need that we need to do um, yeah. Yeah, and there's been bits and bobs from the club that are working on something similar this week, which is completely serendipitous, but amazing to see. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, we, yeah, whether it be us or someone else, this is something that we really feel like that we need to that we need to do as a kind of collective, really. So. 100%. And so you've heard it here first, Albion Obsessed listeners. If you want to see more of this, go into the description, buy yourself a Matoma t-shirt, these Great yeah. guys, we'll get one sent out to you uh, because we need more funding and we need to see yeah. more of this. Um, because I just want to say to you, James, whilst we've got you here, that the work Dogma do is just utterly inspiring and absolutely fantastic. The stuff you produce is like next level. You would think it's a multi-million pound business that yeah. produces stuff. Honestly, it's so, so good. Um, I've only I, I recently think, yeah, started getting the... To, to yeah. Because it just shows it's, you don't need oodles of and bags of money to create such uh, uh, authentic and real content for people that really want to see this. That's yeah, so exactly. Lucky to say that. Yeah, we, we like we really, really that means so much. Like we're just a couple of people that work full time and you know do this f for a laugh, and um, you know, and yeah, to hear that is is is, is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I can't say thanks enough yeah no so we, we really hope to see more of it um on that um so i wanted to ask so with this season going so well so you say you started was it a lockdown thing this started through yeah so it started in a pandemic context so very much like you know kind of working on it um 
by ourselves or Parker who's kind of set it up and then the whole distribution model of post and all that was kind of also about um, kind of maximizing pre-game pub time but also about it being the fact that we can see anyone and, and meet anyone so yeah it was set up in the pandemic and yeah so and the question i have for you james was like mm. with this season going so well obviously everything's opened back up it's been open back up for what two a year and a half now uh mm. with no government restrictions blah 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 um have you noticed a difference with how your content and how your production is being received by brighton fans um, especially now on the cusp of european football hopefully i don't want to jinx it of course um but is, is there a difference between if the club's not doing so well there's there's not much going on and if we're do, being so successful like we are it's a massive positive for you guys exactly yeah I, I feel like um i had a really good conversation with um uh with one of the editors of skies on stripes which was a, a previous um kind of incarnation of a, of a brighton fanzine and you know we were basically saying that each fanzine has, has served its purpose and kind of encapsulated a, a period of time and Dogma has only been really around, even though we've all been fans for, well, in my case, 25, 30 years and, you know, more than that. Dogma has only really been around since we've been on our most successful period ever. So our whole vibe, our whole, like, tone is about celebration, it's kind of celebratory and about kind of elevating the culture as well. And, you know, it's it, we haven't really got a mission to save the club or to hold it to account or to rally supporters behind some campaign like that's all cool like that's all happening um so therefore our tone definitely is about celebrating and um, elevating and and doing what we can to like kind of yeah lift everything up um so i would say rather than direct feedback from from like readers or whatever it's more the nature of it it you know it our tone is is based on the context and the context at the moment is amazing so it, it can't not be celebratory and um yeah and fun yeah what i love about it as well is that you get so many different people involved from all aspects like uh, one of our own cam has, has done a piece for you guys and um, she's an amazing photographer um, and her bits were included in one of the i think it was a summer edition uh, mm. last year uh, which was absolutely wonderful. Um, so what I love about it is you get so many people involved. And if there's someone out here watching this or, or listening to this that really want to express their artistic ways or um, write something for you guys, um, is that possible? And, and how do they do that? Yeah, like that's one of our real big things is that we really want to encourage like um, a really wide pool of, of people to contribute. Like we are submissions based. So we are, we'll basically publish within certain criteria, whatever's submitted to us. And the kind of, as we gather like momentum and people being involved and kind of get more exposure, like the variety of, of amazing contributors just grows and grows and grows. So that could be in terms of like age, particularly like we really want to encourage like lots of younger people um, uh, to get involved, particularly like, like geographies, like people, you know, there's Brighton fans globally and they've all got cool things to say and cool things to show off. And, you know, we really want to encourage that and be a platform for that. Um, so very much we're, we we really encourage that. I mean, the simple way to, to do it is to to go on our website, it's dogmabrighton.com, and we have submissions guidelines, but 
they're fairly loose and they're fairly open to interpretation. Um, or just drop us an email at the email address that's on there um, or, or social media, Dogma Brighton. Um, yeah, it's super easy and we really, really um, encourage it. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what is what is next for Dogma? Is, is, there, is there a plan? Is, is there a I want to be here in five years time or is it just literally go with the flow? Yeah, I mean, like it never stops. Like the mural stuff, it ended. Well, you know, uh, whenever it did, it feels like a month ago. But I think it was Monday, um, and we're we're putting together our next issue, which is going to be with everyone, kind of middle to end of next month. Um, they take a long time to put together, um, I can't, as you can imagine. So we're we're right in the weeds of it now. Hence my baggy panda eyes. Um, <laughs> holding down a full-time job, a relationship, a set of friends and family, <laughs> running a running a fanzine and painting a wall is uh, take, it's taken it out of me. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's all fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, long-term goals. We, we just want to continue the spirit of what we're doing. And it, the, the projects and the ideas that we've got are, like, are so – there's a list as long as my arm and we don't have the – hands to to really do it like we've got more ideas than we than, than we have people and or you know kind of hours in the day um but everything we do will be with that spirit of all the things we that we've mentioned already and what, what we really think the kind of essence of dogma is so yeah no real set plans apart from just keep producing um issues as we are um you know three times a year um you know with that subscription model which is certainly the best way to uh, to do it a little plug there if you don't mind um that's why so yeah uh, just to continue but yeah no master plan no kind of goals or objectives beyond that really well, well i'm sure i speak it... for all of us by the way when i say that if you ever need any help with anything we're more than willing to lend a hand with anything, please so. please <laughs> absolutely yeah honestly james let us know mate and, and we'll you know anything we can help with um realistically we will absolutely do um so i just want to say to the viewers if you haven't seen this mural yet online or or in um hove first of all what are you doing are you living under a rock it looks absolutely beautiful um secondly i wanted to say um the, the fanzines that dogma produce um i've as i say i recently started um subscribing to you guys at the start of the season um and what you produce is amazing and also it's very very reasonably priced for for the content that you you bring out so anyone that hasn't subscribed yet link in the description again go and get your subscriptions um it'll help those guys out massively um show your support and all that good stuff um, what i like now, about it as well is if you struggle to find the community you can find it in these in these magazines definitely i feel like there's so many overreaching voices and um, yeah, it's it's very clear that you try and foster such a really good, positive community there, and uh, yeah, keep at it. Oh, that's so kind of you to say. Yeah, and like we feel the same about you guys. Like, there's just really cool people doing really cool shit, and we're really chuffed to bring that all together in our kind of humble way. Um, you know, so yeah, thanks, Curtis. That's really kind of me. Hundred percent. And something that we all of us content creators as well are talking about is bringing us all together. Like not having yeah. a lot of clubs have, oh, I'm this podcast, so I'm going to be better than you are in that podcast. I'm going to be, I want to be like a, a global or not global, but like club based community where yeah. If, yeah. if we're creating something, let's get Dogma involved, let's get Seagull Social involved, let's get together uh, BHA involved. 
I just want everything mm. to be all in one central place. There shouldn't and... be these walls up between no. the things. We're all, we're all doing stuff about the same thing, so let's all work together and make this amazing thing even better. So. 100%. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I feel like with, with, with the new kind of like media that's come out in the last few years, like, you know, you guys and us included, very conscious of, of, of that vibe and they want to like bring people together rather than like separate. And I feel like, a bit like I mentioned earlier, that's only, you know, really because we're in such a good period and we have the, like we're afforded the luxury to kind of be, be more, you know, soft and open and that kind of stuff. And I think we should all definitely kind of, you know, make the most of that, maximize it. Yeah, 100%. And um, so I don't know if you guys can see this flag behind me, um, but at Wembley, at Wembley Stadium, we are going to, so me and Dan have those flags. Um, if you see them uh, around us, come and chat to us. We'll talk about all the good stuff, all Brighton of Albion. We'll get some fan interviews, this, that, and the other. Um, but before Wembley, James, we've got a very congested fixture uh, list, um, starting with Brentford tomorrow. We're recording this on the 31st of uh, March, uh, and tomorrow we play Brentford. Are you feeling confident? Like The question I ask people is, this set of games, I think, could define the rest of the season. Yeah, that, that's it. Oh, that's exactly it's, it's it. Scary. It's scary. It's such a flurry. Like, well, like, when was it? Was it the year we went up when we were in the championship and there was, like, Mad March or something where we, like, we like won every game or something and that was basically the defining period. I think you're absolutely right, Joe. This could be the equivalent. Like, there's so many games and I'm, I, I'm so delighted that... You know, Wembley obviously is going to be an incredible day, but it's like there's like there's almost too much to play for at the moment, and it's kind of stressful. Um, and sort of you know, like silly stuff like Sarmiento got injured or something, and I was like, then I started having all these visions like, what if Matoma gets injured? What if what, you know, like that something like that could happen, and then the whole thing's just like, um, Brentford tomorrow. Oh god, um, I feel like, and this might you know, I'm prepared to be shut down with actual facts rather than just like feelings in the pit of my stomach. But I feel like we don't really ever do that well against them. Um, beat, beat them at home, was it recently? Uh, that was boxing, boxing boxing Day last season, we beat them at home. That was it, but yeah. They were going for a rough patch. Mm. Generally, like we don't uh, play that well against them. Similarly, Bournemouth as well. Like I know we beat them. We definitely did beat them um, last time. And driving down to there on Tuesday will be will be fun but I feel like they're two bogey teams I mean I think this every game and then you remember that like Roberto De Zerbi's in charge and he doesn't really give a fuck about any of that stuff and like and we go and we do it usually or that's been the form yeah I mean um yeah sorry go on James no, this is just my anxiety about it. I don't think it's ever. I'm ever going to get over it based on any actual facts. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we're, the, the, the main the main man that that could change that would be Roberto De Zerbi because yeah. I I always label him as the mentality king. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think he's shut up about Charlton. I think he probably goes into every team meeting and starts the meeting with, "Hey guys, uh, remember remember Charlton? Uh, that wasn't good, was it?" Um, so. You know, whether we should should beat Bournemouth is another thing. Um, it's the Premier League. It, 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 it doesn't matter, as you say, that Tuesday night could go absolutely horribly. Um, or, uh, yeah, I, I'm exactly the same as you, James. I, I'm just 
a ball of anxiety about what's coming next. And we've got what seven fixtures in April, um, which is ridiculous for, for a squad squad of our size as well. Um, Curtis, you you are our resident optimist. Please inject some optimism here. Um, well, I was about to say, you know my opinion on this up-and-coming fixture. The only team I'm actually worried about is Brentford, um, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not that concerned with Tottenham, even. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know Brentford tomorrow will be a tricky one, but I, I will remain confident, as I like to do, because uh, I have to, for my own sanity. Um, but, yeah, why, why can't we get three points from it? Yeah, you know? Very true. Yeah. I, I'm having, like the same sort of anxiety pangs that I was having before and during the Fulham game the other day where like it's a similar kind of dynamic, like they're just behind us. It's kind of like if you're slightly behind, to your point about Tottenham or someone, Curtis, like if you're if you're slightly behind, there's like nothing to lose and you're kind of like the the upstart who can like, you know, gather that momentum. But it was it was the same with Fulham, you know, that and that game was ridiculous. We'll talk about smash and grab. Um yeah. I, I really hope, you know, all their players and manager are banned for the foreseeable because they deserve yeah. it. Um, it's, quite nice, it's quite nice for a change to not be worried about what's going on below us, you know, worried yeah. about that that drop. And we're worried about like, oh, someone, oh, Manchester United did us a favour beating Tottenham. You know, mm. that that thing, it's it's quite nice for a change. Must admit. Yeah, that is weird looking at the top of the Premier League and being like, I, I actually care about a Man City result today that's just absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. But... Um, Let's talk about that relegation battle. I know it's a little bit away from uh, our main topic, which is Brighton of Albion, but um, it's something mental like four points separate bottom and 12th. And 12th, of, of, of course, is Crystal Palace. Yes. Um, could they get dragged into that? Could we see them go down? <laughs> I hope so. I, um, <laughs> I think I, I was kind of annoyed when they sat at Vieira because, you know, although it was like funny and like, know happy sat patrick's day and all that it was (laughs) it was still like oh now they'll probably just do their usual and get in like tony pulis or something and like just keep their head slightly above water and you know live to fight another day and they've done that i mean it was a hilarious appointment you know uh, i've got a lot of time for Woy, but it's so funny you know in the kind of their absolute continuing identity crisis of not knowing who or what they are as a football team but I kind of feel like it might be it. He might be the one that just gets them, gets them enough solidity and, and safety to um, uh, to stay up, which would be really annoying. But well, you, you know what they've got to do, James. They've got to channel the energy that got them here. Um, so whatever the fuck that, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, but, but I, I, I don't think Roy Hodgson's got much energy to channel anymore. Maybe just into watching Countdown and um, doing the crossword, but. Yeah, have you guys seen that meme of the the grandpa that's eating the paint because he thought it was yogurt? <laughs> um, yeah, that that comparison to Roy Hodgson had me almost on the floor crying. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But it is, so, uh, like to so your point, I mean, it's it's crazy when you look at the table. I mean, and thank mm. God we're not in that mix for the first time in well since you know you know normally we're used to that dynamic, and I think this year would be an incredibly sweaty experience for the rest of the season. You know, if we were one of those unlucky eight or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I mean, how many points are we on now? Uh, we are on... 42, I think or something. Am I wrong? Four, uh, hold on. 42. You're correct, Curtis. Absolutely. Yes, we're safe. We're um, safe. That's good. 
Yeah, we're staying up, guys. Yes. Um, that's that's but, a funny thing too, as well. That, that a lot of the fan base is saying it will be a failure of a season if we don't make Europe. You know, which is which is which is a mad thing. And like, I, I get the point and everything, but the fact that we're floating above that top ten thing is it's a successful season for me. You know, um, yeah. just saying. I mean, you you asked me that the other day, Curtis, on the podcast with Dagan that we yeah. did, um, and I answered that yes, it would be a failure. But my my answer was based on the fact that Roberto De Zerbi has it as a target, and so do the players. So um, I feel like if the players and Roberto De Zerbi see yeah. the season's failure. So do I. Um, yeah, I mean, hearing so Dunk it's say an interesting like, concept. Hearing Dunk say it might be his only opportunity to play European football, I was like, oh, we have to get it. We have to get it now. You yeah, know, I was. I was like, we've got to do it for Dunk. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> well, it's all in Brighton and Hove Albion's hands, and we know how that can go. Um, <laughs> wonderfully, I, I'm not going <laughs> to remind people of the promotion season. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, I'm going to stop talking about Brighton now because my anxiety is getting absolutely ridiculous ahead of tomorrow. Um, I'm sure you're the same, James. You've mm-hmm. had a long week um, and you've given us plenty of your time to talk about all of the wonderful things Dogma are doing. Um, oh, and, yes. of course, um, the season, the, the the business end of the season, as, as people like to call it. Um, so, Curtis, have you got anything to add before we wrap up? Yeah, no, J- James, kick your feet up, grab a couple of more beers and have a nice relaxing evening because you've definitely earned it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like I always say this at the end of every pod, thank you very much for everyone watching. Again, we wouldn't be doing it without you guys. And um, yeah, join us on uh, when we go to the, uh, we'll go to Wembley. We're going to be doing some content there and maybe come and have a chat with us. We're, we're nice people um, and we want to, we want to get to know you. So talk to and us. And our next episode is wait for it drum roll please our 100th episode oh congrats we are smashing 100 i I can't believe it like when i started this i i just thought it would be like two people listening to me witter on about brighton uh me and my mate toby who um started this podcast with me and we are nearing on 100 well we're one episode away from 100 so you're you're number 99 james so almost made it you almost no, 99 is cooler than than 100 i feel like it's a cool there number there you go you, you helped us on our way to that big milestone um yeah, so yeah. at the moment um we we don't know what's in the works there might be something there might not be who knows um but yeah it will be probably next week that our 100th episode comes out so keep your eyes peeled um, and it's going to be a lovely celebration. Um, I'm going to love you and leave you all. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend um, or whatever you're doing. Enjoy it, whether that's at the Amex, at home, who knows. Um, and yeah, I will see you all on the next podcast. Cheers, guys. Cheers.